If you enjoy Champions for Children, be sure to check out the new podcast from Nemours Children's Health, Well Beyond Medicine. Subscribe today wherever you get your podcasts or at NemoursWellBeyond.org to continue hearing the stories of anything and everything related to the 80% of child health impacts that occur outside the doctor's office. And now, the episode of Champions for Children you requested. Enjoy! And now to the so-called triple-demic threat. Concerns about a so-called triple-demic continue to loom. Now the concern is a triple-demic with COVID, flu, and RSV. Hi, everyone, and welcome to the Nemours Champions for Children podcast. I'm Carol Vassar, and the word of the season, you've been hearing it everywhere, is triple-demic. What is that? How might it affect you and your family, especially your kids? And perhaps most importantly... What can you do to keep yourself and your family safe and healthy? On November 29th, the Nemours Community Relations Team put together a webinar featuring Nemours experts in pediatrics and infectious diseases to provide information on the current triple-demic landscape and answer parents' questions about it. It's information so important, we're highlighting it on the podcast this week and featuring our experts' answers to parents' questions posed in the webinar next week. The voices you'll hear are those of Dr. Kenneth Alexander, board certified by the American Board of Pediatrics in Infectious Diseases and chief of the Division of Infectious Diseases at Nemours Children's Health in Orlando, and Dr. Maria Petrini. Dr. Petrini is a board-certified pediatrician at Nemours Children's Health, Delaware. She also serves as the medical director for the Delaware Children's Health Network. Nemours pediatrician Dr. Laura Chilcutt serves as moderator. Dr. Chilcutt is a policy advisor with the external affairs team at Nemours Children's Hospital in Orlando. So let's get to that seemingly unavoidable term, triple-demic. Here's Dr. Kenneth Alexander. All over the press, we are saying the word triple-demic. Now, I love that. It's a good press word. I don't know that it's a good medical word. But what's actually happening is that we seem to be seeing an increase in respiratory disease, particularly among children. And it seems to be happening with the co-occurrence of three different viruses. And what's happening is that in some places in the country, especially in the Northeast and some places out West, is that we're seeing that all these kids with respiratory infections are beginning to overload doctor's offices, urgent care centers, emergency rooms, and pediatric hospitals. So it's a cause of some stress in some parts of the country. So what's causing it? We are seeing three viruses sort of arising together. We've heard an awful lot about COVID-19, right? The virus SARS-CoV-2. It is certainly out there. And in fact, it's going up in some places. Influenza, flu is showing up kind of early this year. And along with that respiratory syncytial virus, a virus near and dear to the hearts of pediatricians, but with kind of a scary sounding name that a lot of parents just really haven't heard of. And so what's happening is that we are seeing flu and respiratory syncytial virus early this year on top of COVID-19 that's already sort of smoldering along out there. 
So a couple of quick bits of terminology, and I think this is really important because you're going to hear Maria use these terms as well. And these are terms that we think about as pediatricians. There's the term upper respiratory tract infection, right? All these are things caused by viruses, sore throat, conjunctivitis. It's really anything kind of from the neck up, right? Croup is an inflammatory process in the upper part of the trachea where the trachea gets swollen and it kind of narrows down. And so kids with croup, and it's typically young children, well, they have this characteristic cough. They sort of bark like little seals, and that's what they sound like. Bronchiolitis we'll talk about, and this is a virus-induced process where it's inflammation or swelling of the small airways in the lungs. And so kids with bronchiolitis cough and cough and cough, and they often have trouble breathing something we see in small babies. And finally, pneumonia. Pneumonia is an infection of the lung and some of the air tubes in the lung, but there it can be either viral or bacterial. So how do things get transmitted? Flu travels on small droplets. This also could be a picture of somebody transmitting COVID-19. And that's why we tell you when you sneeze, right? Sneeze into a cloth or sneeze into the crook of your arm and then wash your hands, right? That's how these viruses transmit, and then they float on little droplets through the air. Now, there are other viruses that are transmitted by direct contact, and this could be a little boy with respiratory syncytial virus, and he's got the classic boogie nose there above his pacifier, but you and I know what happens, right? This is your kid, and you still love on them, you still kiss them, they stick their fingers everywhere, but you can get transmission not by droplets, but by, in this case, by direct physical contact. So respiratory syncytial virus. This is the most common cause of lower respiratory tract infection, and it's typically a problem in younger children. What children get, again, is bronchiolitis, swelling of the airways, but they can get the boogie nose, they can get croup, they can get otitis media. And the trouble with respiratory syncytial virus is our immunity is just not very long-lasting. You can get it this year, and you can get it again next year, and you can get again the year after that. And so who gets it? Well, your kid comes home from school or from daycare, shares it with you, shares it with their sibling, shares it with their grandparents. Unfortunately, what we don't have is a vaccine yet, although there are trials of respiratory syncytial virus vaccine going on in adults. SARS-CoV-2, COVID-19, man, we've heard tons about this. We've all got COVID fatigue, right? But SARS-CoV-2 is the name of the virus. COVID-19 is the name of the disease. Kind of like influenza is the name of the virus and flu is the name of the disease. And the good news is the vast majority of cases of COVID-19 in young children are mild or maybe even asymptomatic. Young children rarely, rarely get severe disease. We see severe disease in older children and teenagers. Sometimes in teenagers, we can see severe pneumonia, and we see this mysterious post-infection multi-system inflammatory syndrome we can talk a little bit about later. But the good news is we got vaccines, and these vaccines work. They work for preventing infection. And when they don't prevent infection, they attenuate disease. So they prevent people from getting severe disease. And this is why even though vaccinated people can be getting COVID, if you look at who's in the hospital, almost all those people are unvaccinated. So 
we'll talk more about this. And, and certainly I'd like to, at this point, bring Maria into this. Maria, how often do you get people asking about antibiotics and will it help? All the time, Ken. That's a common question. And so what do you tell folks? When it comes to viruses, antibiotics, unfortunately, they don't help. And actually can produce some harm because I don't really like and nobody really likes to give medicine to kids that don't need it and can actually, you know, cause complications or side effects like diarrhea and other stuff. So when it comes to viruses, antibiotics is not the way to go. You know, I'm with you. I wish antibiotics made viral infections better and, and someday we'll have more medications. But for the time being, you know, a kid with a viral infection on antibiotics is a kid with a viral infection and diarrhea. I, I agree with you totally. If antibiotics won't help, what can we do? Well, there's three things. One, of course, is just to make sure that the kid's vaccinated against flu, right? Give them their flu vaccine. Children six months and older can get flu vaccine. And even if flu vaccine doesn't always prevent infection, it's very good at keeping people out of the hospital. And of course, the trouble is vaccines don't always help and kids still get sick anyway. And we don't have vaccines against respiratory syncytial virus. So what else can we do? Well, TLC, right? Many of us have memories as kids when you were sick and your mom or dad made a a bed for you on the couch and you sat and watched Mr. Rogers or Sesame Street and you had your orange juice and they sort of fussed you up and and maybe being sick wasn't that unpleasant because it was time with your parents. It was time to have some attention. I don't know. I think a little TLC for a cold goes a long way. So another question and again, Laura, you're, you're seeing a lot of kids with asthma right now. Um, what do you make of when these parents come to you and say, my kid's coughing all the time, he needs antibiotic? It, it really depends. We look at a lot of things in the history, we look at the family history, do other people in the family have, have asthma? Does a child have a history of asthma? Every time they get a cold, do they end up in the hospital with an asthma exacerbation? And then you listen to them. I mean, a lot of times you can't hear that wheeze, but we can hear it when we listen with the stethoscope. And you can just tell sometimes they have a cough that's more of a, a asthma cough as opposed to a, an infection cough. And so it's, it's a lot of just looking at the history, looking at different factors and making a decision. Infection versus asthma, or sometimes it's both. Well, certainly the, the most common trigger of asthma, too, is viral infections. So I tell my uh, medical students and residents when they're working with me that if a child comes to you and they have a history of coughing a lot, Make sure and get a good asthma history. Did either of the parents have asthma as, as children? Because again, antibiotics won't help, but steroids and bronchodilators can make a real difference in improving not just the kid's life, but the rest of the family. You know, one of the questions I get a lot because kids get sent to me because they're sick a lot is, you know, should I put my kid in daycare? My kid seems like they're sick all the time. What, what can I do? So this is a study done by an old friend of mine, Ellen Wald. What she did is looked at the number of colds that children got in a year, depending on whether they were in daycare, at home with a parent, or at home with a parent but had older siblings that went to school. Kids that were at home with no siblings ran somewhere between five and seven colds a year, Okay, which is okay. That's about, about a cold every two months, right? 
On the other extreme were the daycare kids who started at about nine to 10 colds in that first year, but then managed to sort of get it out of their system by the time they were four or five. And not surprisingly, the kids who stay home but have brothers and sisters that bring stuff home for them, well, they fall somewhere in between. Well, what does this mean? I think what it means is that you're going to come and see people like Dr. Maria. It's just a matter of when. When is your kid going to get cold? Are they going to get them when they're little? Are they going to get them when they're older? Are they going to get them when they're learning to read? Are they going to get them when they're learning to stack blocks? But I think the reality is kids get colds and there's not a lot you and I can do about it short of keeping them in the sock drawer. So it's okay if your kid gets colds. So I just wanted to talk briefly about these three viruses that Dr. Kent just gave us a wonderful explanation in terms of some history and common symptoms. And again, these three viruses are respiratory viruses. They are cause of the most common respiratory infection in children, common colds, uh, otitis, croup, sore throats, and such. They all have, and I would say, certain degree of seasonality, just because since COVID, it seems that some of the viruses are kind of like a little bit out of wax. And as Dr. Ken mentioned before, we used to see RSV, particularly in the end of fall and winter, throughout the winter. Now we're seeing RSV quite severe in the beginning of the fall. Same thing with influenza. We're still seeing influenza sometimes into the spring. Within the older days, influenza was exclusively like a winter virus. But, you know, as a rule of thumb, influenza, RSV, and, and COVID-19, they get worse and they are much more pronounced in the fall slash winter season. And they all can cause respiratory symptoms, but also can cause severe disease and complications, particularly in high-risk populations. Majority of the kids without any like risk factors, um, they do well and they don't really get severe complications unless they have what we call some comorbid condition or some high-risk conditions in which they can get, can get sicker or develop complications. M most common ones are severe prematurity, age-related, like very young infants, like first year of life, any cardiac condition, any other like situation like diabetes, sickle cell, or asthma. And those are conditions that can increase the likelihood of, the, you know, get complications or get hospitalized. So those are all things that they have in common. So they kind of behave this, the same way in terms of differences. And Dr. Ken also mentioned vaccines. Uh, we love to prevent illnesses. And if we cannot prevent a child to get an illness, we love to prevent severe disease. We love to prevent ear visits. We love to prevent hospitalizations and complications. So vaccines are available for influenza and for COVID-19 for patients six months and older. Antivirals are available to treat or to prevent complications from influenza and COVID-19 for certain patients, not for everybody, for certain pa patients that meet criteria. Based on what? Based on age and based on the presence of other conditions, what we call high-risk patients. So prevention, prevention, prevention. We love to prevent so nobody gets sick. But we know sometimes even if we try to prevent Kids get sick and that's okay. So how can we prevent these viruses to cause illness or disease? Hand washing, number one, hand washing all the time. We learned that 
with COVID, we, we need to be very careful about that and still remind ourselves hand washing is the way to go. Avoid sick contacts as much as you can. In other words, if, if you're trying to sick, just don't send them to daycare. Don't send them to school. Stay home. If somebody's sick and there's a family that was, maybe it's a good idea just to stay home or just to postpone that for a later day. So be cognizant about that. You can consider also wearing masks in certain high-risk settings. Masks are now optional, but you know, masks work. They do work to prevent this type of illnesses. So, you know, you can always opt for wear a mask in a particular situation. Vaccination. I cannot stress this enough. Vaccination. Annual vaccine is available for influenza. Primary series and updates are available for COVID-19. So just make sure that your, your child is updated with all vaccines, including this ones. So what happens if your child gets sick? First of all, do not panic, okay? Because we said already that these viruses, they cause majority of the time common colds, like routine uh, respiratory infections. So most common symptoms are colds with fever, nasal congestion, like stuffy nose, sore throat, cough, usually productive like mucus, like wet, body aches, fatigue, decreased appetite. Influenza can also cause, you know, different degrees of diarrhea and vomiting and some muscle inflammation, but those, those are by far the most common symptoms. Again, if your child is showing any symptoms of sickness, do not send them to school or daycare and stay home. For treatment, TLC, I'm just, I'm just repeating and reinforcing what a doctor Ken said. Stay home, oral fluids, make sure your, your child is well hydrated, PDA-like words, Gatorade for older kids, fine. Plenty of rest, saline spray or drops in the nose just to make it moist, a humidifier, steam baths, suctioning secretions with a bulb syringe for young infants or for a young toddler works. If your child has fevers or pain or is very cranky in pain, like ibuprofen or, or Tylenol, acetaminophen, you can certainly do that. Make sure that you keep an eye on the temperature, have a thermometer at home just to see how the fever goes, if the child has fever or not. Just keep an eye on how your child is breathing, any like um, difficulties, any like a short of breath, uh, gasping for air, unable to like make or, or create a full sentence and monitor hydration status. How do you do that? Look for tears, look for moist or moisture in the mouth and how many wet diapers the baby is, is making or uh, how much urine. Now, if your child has asthma and they start coughing, just start your asthma action plan right away. A kid that has known asthma and has an asthma action plan, one of the main triggers for asthma is a respiratory infection, a viral respiratory infection, and therefore start like a rescue inhaler as was instructed and call your pediatrician right away. So where to go? So for any of the symptoms like routine cold, cough, croup, sore throat, maybe some wheezing, you think you're not sure, maybe some cough, there's a fever, maybe ear pain, some vomiting, diarrhea, but still drinking okay, or you just need the test, you just want you know, your child to be tested. For all those reasons, you just call the pediatrician get an appointment to be seen within 24 hours or so. If for whatever reason there's an urgent need and the pediatrician office or your pediatrician office cannot accommodate you, that would be a reason to go to an urgent care. Otherwise, majority of the situations can certainly wait 24 hours and just to see your doctor within 24 hours, you know, with a routine like sick visit just to get 
a good checkup, maybe some testing done if that's needed and go from there. When to go to the emergency room? When you feel like the situation is turning into an emergency, in other words, rapid breathing, labor breathing, gasping for air, turning blue, there's a persistent fever, you know, you're given like mood to internal, just not going down, unable to drink, vomiting, unable to keep anything down, looks dehydrated or lethargic. Those would be reasons to go to the emergency room. That's Dr. Maria Petrini with Sage Advice from the recent webinar, What Parents Need to Know About the Respiratory Illnesses, Flu, RSV, and COVID-19, an event that also featured Nemours pediatricians Dr. Kenneth Alexander and Dr. Laura Chilcott. More highlights from the webinar coming up on our next episode as our experts answer parents' questions about flu, RSV, and COVID-19, fevers, masking, and more. Please join us. Your ideas for future podcasts are always welcome. Simply email podcast at Nemours.org. That's podcast at Nemours.org. We can work together to get you and or your team onto the schedule to record interviews remotely for release in the coming months. Thanks, as always, to our production team, Cheryl Munn, Che Parker, and Rachel Salas-Silverman. Special thanks this week to Peggy Parrish and Peggy Carter for the quick audio turnaround. Our music is courtesy of Blue Dot Sessions in Turner's Falls, Massachusetts. You can find the podcast on Nemoors.net, the Nemours Now app, anywhere you find your other favorite podcasts, and by telling your smart speaker to play the Nemours Champions for Children podcast. On behalf of Drs. Maria Petrini, Laura Chilcutt, and Kenneth Alexander, I'm Carol Vassar, and we thank you for listening to this edition of the Nemours Champions for Children podcast. Until next time, please stay safe, stay well, and thank you for all you do for the children and families we serve.